0: What should a game guru bring for expert players who just want something simple? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, the gurus work their voodoo for a peculiar kind of game, easy to play, but not for beginners. Welcome back to The Snakes Cast, my friends. Joining me this week are Dan Lego. Hello. And Maddie Jelsma. Hey. Okay, so the two of you both play games a lot. I play games a lot. I like to play complicated games, challenging games, involved games, gamer stuff.:
1: I like to play a little bit of everything.
2: I hate games.
0: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you're, you're both into, at least to some extent, the, 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 the heavier stuff, the ones that are geared towards enthusiasts, to some degree, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, how often do you find yourself wanting something comparatively simple?:
1: Often, actually.
2: Yeah, I, uh, there's always room for that. Like, I play more of my uh, filler games, I think, than I do my heavier stuff quite often.
0: And filler games is something we should actually probably do an episode about. Uh, those things that are relatively short and simple that you can play where you're waiting for your friends to get there or if it's late at night. That's actually sort of what I want to talk about here a little bit, but not specifically about fillers. Fillers tend to be fairly short games. We're not specifically talking about short games here. This is the Guru Voodoo situation. You've got a group of people who play Puerto Rico. They play Descent. They play the heavy stuff. But it's been a long week. They're tired. They can't really learn something new, but they don't want to play something that they already know. This is the challenge. There's there's plenty of simple games out there that uh, that we recommend to people who are non-experts, right? You, know, you got your Cards Against Humanity. You got your Battleship. You Ghost got Blitz. Your, yeah, Ghost Blitz. Spot it. Hey, yeah,
2: that's my fish. Hey,
0: yeah, that's my fish. Yeah, all these things. But uh, generally speaking. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is the case for both of you, but for me, I'm not that interested in those kinds of games, even when I'm feeling tired. But um, and, and and that's specifically who we're talking about here. For we're looking for people who don't want for people who don't have to think too much, but they are experienced. So how do you get into that? Do you, have, do you have much? Would you have much interest in playing these games yourself to start with? I mean, obviously, you want them some of the time.
2: Absolutely. Like there's there's some things that I just uh, I enjoy when it's a little bit lighter. There's times where you want things to be a bit heavier. Um, it all depends on sort of the mood of the group. If you're going to be hunkered down for a couple of hours and you're into a heavy euro and you know everybody else is, go for it. But if you are feeling a little bit tired or maybe people have had too much to drink, something a bit lighter can also be a great idea.
0: So what are, some, what are some of the differences then between a game that is just simple and a game that's simple but also not for beginners? What, what are some ways to sort of leverage that? There's
2: Quite often I think part of it's the teach. Um, you have a complex game where if nobody's played it before you're going to be going through a massive teach, and they're going to have to brain a lot of things. Versus if there is simpler mechanics and less phases and rounds and all sorts of stuff like that that's going on within the game, uh, that can be a little bit more relaxing, easier to take in, and easier to get people playing and enjoying themselves. But
0: there can still be some intricacy in this. Exactly. That so, so, sort of thing that might put off somebody who's new to games.
2: Coming up and finding out the strategy for yourself while playing is different than having to learn a million different things to apply to the strategy. Okay. Right.
1: I like to refer to those types of games as dessert games. And I've had it uh, where I've been gaming with friends and we've, we've just finished playing something heavier, um, Red Planet or, I don't know, other examples. And we want to play a dessert game. We still want to play something. We want it to be a little bit challenging, but we don't really want to have to brain it too much. Mm. Um, one example being Three Little Pigs, which has been brought <laughs> up on new, like brought out on numerous occasions as a game to play while we finish the night. It's like half an hour, got some strategy to it, some luck elements, and it's a little nice mix of everything.
0: Just enough there. It's like a King of Tokyo yeah. all sort of thing, but, uh, but easier to get started with. And uh, speaking of King of Tokyo, they, that Yahtzee-style dice rolling thing, where you take some dice and you roll them, and you keep what you want, and re-roll the rest, and then roll again, keep what you want, re-roll the rest, that leverages stuff that people already know. And if you have expert game players, they've probably got a fairly decent-sized vocabulary of stuff that they already know how to play. And you can, you, can, you can leverage that to bring in games that would be too complex, too challenging for new players, but would be just right for this situation when we've got expert players who don't want to invest a lot of effort. Let's let's get into that a little bit. So let's say deck-building games. Do you guys like deck-building games?
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed them.
0: Definitely. Okay, so for, for the benefit of our audience, we should, again, another thing we should do in an episode about deck-building games Uh, This is something where if people have played games like Dominion, then it's really easy to get started with. If they haven't, then there's a whole lot you have to explain. In a deck-building game, each player's got their own personal little deck of cards and their own personal discard pile, and at the start of the game, your cards are not very many and not very good, but in the middle of the table, there's cool new cards you can buy and add to your deck, and you're gonna have to run out of cards, so you reshelf your discard pile and keep going, but it's more powerful now than it was before because it's got cool new cards that you bought. Uh, if you know this basic idea, then there's a whole bunch of games that you can start playing with very, very little effort. Uh, what are some that you might bring out in this Star case?
2: Dar Realms would definitely be one of them. Uh, it's very similar to Dominion, but you're dealing damage. It's got a little more engaging uh, lineup. Cards work in sequence together. So once you sort of figure out the game while you're going, it's got a lot of that familiar territory. I it's find.
0: got a quick light pace, too. Exactly. It goes only in a nice clip.
1: I really enjoy any of the like the Lord of the Rings deck builder. I really like Oh really? um, Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so... Neat. Played that a couple times.
0: The Cerberus system, uh, that engine that Cryptozoic uses for the, for Lord of the Rings, they did it for DC Comics, they did it for Street Fighter, is just super accessible. I mean, that one's almost one you can bring up for new players mm-hmm. and and still wind up just fine. As a matter of fact, the, mo- the, the most positive reports that I've heard from people playing Lord of the Rings or uh, Justice League have actually been from more hardcore players, people who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be into that, but... It was just so relaxing that, uh, that it really worked for them.
2: I'd say uh, Machi Koro is another really good
1: oh, one Oh, for, for sure, yeah.
2: It's, hey, Dominion meets Settlers at Catan, but it's in half an hour and you can do it for two players. Enjoy it.
0: <laughs> it's true that uh, if, if, if people played Settlers and played Dominion, Machi Koro is going to be no effort at all to learn. So that's another case that you can leverage. Uh, what about, is worker placement too heavy to use for something like that? I mean, if people have already played Agricola and Lahav and all this heavy worker placement type stuff, can you bring out something like Lords of Waterdeep and have it be a dessert game, or is that still too heavy?
2: I find, uh, I've had great success with Lords. Lords. Uh, it's always gone quite well whenever I've tried to teach it to a table. They want,
0: you know... Even with people who are kind of exhausted?
2: Even with people who are kind of exhausted, but... That is sort of a, a touchier territory. I'd bring over Kingsburg or something like that, which is, you know, a little more going on. It's got a little more excitement too because instead of just doing work placement, you're rolling dice and you're making choices within those dice. So half of that's, oh, these are what I have. I just have to utilize these versus like, well, I've got 12 sections
0: on the game board. What am I doing this turn? Right. What do you think of worker placement as a uh, thing? I don't know if
1: it's quite worker replacement, but like Revolution, just in my mind kind of wanded there, uh, is a great game for people who want to play something with strategy, but it's... It's not really hard. You're kind of go, working together in terms of like you're you're going through the motions of a turn together. And you're trying to like basically... It's got enough like a um, of a... What's the word I'm looking for? Blind bidding. Blind is... bidding. And it's got a little bit of like a competitive kind of streak in it. But not too... Like knowing... There's no runaway winner really in Revolution. So it's kind of a nice balance game.
0: And the thing about all blind bidding games like Revolution is that... You can sort of ruin the other player's day, but you don't know whose day you're ruining because you can't see how much anybody else is bidding. You're each sort of doing your own thing and then one, two, three, we all show. Anything like that is going to have the choice and the control that a strategy gamer is going to want, but the degree of effective randomness and chaos that's well-suited to a dessert game. I'm just gonna call them dessert games now. And uh, yeah, auctions uh, of other kinds too, I suppose. Oh, uh, actually, wait a minute. Blind bidding works fine, but an auction where you have to sort of evaluate things. Okay, I'll bid 10. Uh, Do I wanna bid 11, is that? gonna yeah for sale isn't yeah i was just thinking for sale oh that's right for sales i give up for that too it's 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 crunchy enough yep Mm -hmm. but still smooth one and and then there's specific titles that sort of combine things like uh trains and stations is basically the love child of ticket to ride and king of tokyo where you're rolling dice and then putting them on the board to connect cities together what are some others that you might bring out for this sort of sort of case
2: i think we're seeing a a pattern emerge here where Mm -hmm. there's more going to People who like the heavy Euros, when they want something a bit lighter, we throw in a little bit of luck. You know, that seems right. to be a common trend that's happening with this conversation. Hmm. Um, some other stuff that I might throw in, uh, depends on the group size, but like if they're, they're heavy war gamers, like maybe they're like Twilight Imperium or something like that, um, you might want to just narrow down something simple like Battle Beyond Space or Gravwell. Still got a space theme, but... And you're a still a fighter, lighter. sort
1: of. <laughs> or 8-Minute Empire. Yeah, it's a great exactly. game. People are like, "Oh, I want to play Risk." Oh, but it's really long and it's really like <laughs> kind of intense. Well, here, here's eight minute Empire. It's more like fifteen minute Empire, but that
0: doesn't you know. have the same ring to it. Though.
1: No, it really doesn't. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun game.
0: What? Uh, which which version do you like better? The Legends, the fantasy one, or the original Eight Minute Empire? Oh,
1: the Legends one for I sure. On. It's got magenta pieces. And <laughs> okay, I really like that. That's definitely cool. And I just like the whole mythos surrounding it. it just adds a little bit more to it.
0: You know, you mentioned the fantasy elements. That brings me to another way that you can do this, and that is games that have a lot of story in them, but not quite so much agency on behalf of the players. What you do doesn't really matter all that much, but there's but it makes a neat story. So something like Dead of Winter is like forget it, that's too much. But something like Tales of the Arabian Nights, where it's basically just a choose your own adventure book, and you have almost no control. But the tales that you get out of it. Have you played Tales? It's. Awesome. I'm embarrassed to say I have not. It's we a game need I've been dying to change that. Years.
1: We're going to stop the podcast. We're going to play it. We're going to come back.
0: <laughs> Done. <laughs> in, in something like uh, my beloved A Touch of Evil, which is uh, sort of like Arkham Horror but super simple, where all you do is you, it's a roll and move game. You roll, you move, you draw a card, you see what happens to you, and ostensibly you're building up to try and try and take up some big villain, but you have not that much control over what happens to you. There's just enough for it to actually be a game. What these have in common is that you kind of need one person at the table to actually know the rules and know how stuff works. And if you have that one person who can kind of act as a referee and a moderator, everybody else can sleepwalk through it and it's fine.
1: That's why my life is so awesome because I'm friends with you guys and that's what you do for a living. And I'm just like, I don't really need to roll the rules because if I do something wrong, they'll just tell me.
2: One that, um, uh, without there actually being a built-in story mechanic that I've found, uh, with the right group, mm-hmm. goes over great, is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Oh, um, right. You know, sometimes I hear people, like, after they've, they've finished playing it, being like, remember that time when you, like, punched through that T-Rex's face and ended the giant <laughs> robot? That was awesome. <laughs> um, so there are things that, even though they aren't hard-built as story games, they can create that sort of classical narrative afterwards.
0: Yeah, emergent narrative is great for these kinds of things, especially when the rules are as simple as they are in Sentinels. And here's what you're doing on your turn. You are playing a card, you are using one of the things on one of your cards, and then you are drawing a card, and then you are done.
2: Do the best thing you can on your turn, and don't mess it up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, there's no dice, no charts or tables. The thing is, you can wind up, every time you put a new card on the table, it adds another thing that people have to keep track of, though. And that can get a little bit keystone costly, especially when you have five players. Another thing that can work sometimes is these light card games like Sushi Go or No Thanks or Coloretto, Love Letter. All of these ones have enough game in them to be crunchy, but, uh, but still not necessarily put off the people who are big into these. I think some stuff you need to avoid would be negotiation games. Like, they, I love Pit.
1: Ooh, that would be an intense game though. If you're really tired mentally. Oh yeah. And there's a bell which further adds to it. I
0: don't know. And it's it's simple, all right, but yeah, not a good choice. Well,
2: I have actually had good success, I think, with the Sheriff of Nottingham, um, which has that element of.
0: Don't you kind of need to be fresh for that one though? I mean, the 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 rules are simple enough, I suppose. I guess it's the scoring that's. uh, Yeah, the scoring at the end we have to add probably too much math. But st- I mean, the, the idea of just being... You'd you have to play it a lot in a lot more uh, cavalier sort of fashion, right? It's, like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to open your bag. I don't care. Yeah, I guess as long as you do that, it can still work.
1: I find sometimes the best games for even the most seasoned, weary, tired gamers are the are the hilarious ones, like Buster Balloon. <laughs> I came in the cafe one day. Uh, I was just picking up a coffee. And like all the game groovers around Buster Balloon, it's so into it.
0: For the benefit of our audience, Mandy, can you please tell us what Buster Balloon looks like?
1: Okay, so you have a balloon and it's inside a plastic contraption that holds it in place. And you inject these plastic like sticks to poke it. And on your turn, you roll a dice and it tells you either one, two or three. And that's how many clicks of the sticks you have to push in. And if it breaks on your turn, obviously you lose. But so it's really don't, stressful. don't
0: pop the balloon is no. what it's about. Yeah. We we had a lot of fun uh, upsetting Coco talking about this. Maddie loves that game, and Coco does not love that game because
1: <laughs> it's not really a board game per se. It's a toy,
0: but it does it. It's and you know the, there's another one that that you know reminded me of Magical Athlete. Oh,
2: that's I love a game that, that for game.
0: some there's nothing to it game wise almost. There's almost no substance to it, and yet people who love the heavy duty sort of adventure and Euro games wind up having fun with it. Anyway, why is that? How does magical athlete do because that? Because it
1: takes you along for the ride. You're, you don't really have to think. The game pretty much plays itself, but you get to watch these hilarious scenarios unfold of these athletes doing various things and tripping each other up. And...
2: <laughs> New Year's Day, we were super hungover. We're all heavy gamers at the cafe. Uh, I remember having a great time with two rooms and a boom, um, which isn't a lot of game, but it's it was a good experience
0: if you got that big group Trooms and a Boom is still struggling to get published at this point but you can get it as a print and play uh, finally there are times when you just have to give up and play something you already know because there's a zero learning curve if it's something everybody knows and even something that's more challenging can work a bit better if you don't have to bother with the teach at all alright that's it for this week if you've got an unusual group of players with a mix of different tastes and you'd like to see the gurus do some recommendation voodoo Focus on our Facebook page or tweet it to us at SnakesCast. We're always up for a challenge and we'd love to hear from you. Andy, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a done. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. See you next week.